Hi everyone, today we are talking to the Roots Art Collective, otherwise known as the Rack, whose mission is to expand public art to create vibrant environments that allow people to learn about the cultures that enrich our communities. Our guests include all three members, calligrapher and hand letterer Luis Novoa, Alan Ochoa, who handles all the realism, and Miguel Galas, who specializes in patterns and motifs. Since 2015, the three have been connecting over painting and public art and creating murals for museums, local businesses, and various art events. You can find the Rack's work at the Utah Museum of Fine Art, Yoshi's Grill, the South Salt Lake Mural Festival, and many other locations. The Rack has also been featured in the local Slug Magazine's Local Leaders issue that came out February of this year, so you can check out that full article on slugmag.com. During this episode, we talk about what it means to be three independent artists with different disciplines who work as a group, how murals highlight underrepresented communities, what the logistics of professional mural work looks like, and the role murals take within a growing city, aka gentrification. So we had a really hard time just recording that introduction. I think we're both pretty tired. We're both really tired. And we're doing this bi-weekly now. I think it's way better to do it bi-weekly. <laughs> I do. What? <laughs> I agree. You think it's better? I know. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad I you I know. Agree. The queen of do it every week or don't do it at all, it quits. <laughs> I, I, uh, Who's taking her place? Um, bi-weekly Bianca. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Bi-weekly Bianca. Yeah. Catch me every other week. <laughs> uh, Just like a paycheck. We get, yeah, we come out. We come out. We come out on your payday. Yeah. Local motive. It's free, but. (laughs) (laughs) But we want you. But it happens when your money happens. (laughs) And maybe there's something there. I think that this is, uh, I'm so glad that we did these episodes in the order that we did them in because we started with talking to Renato about public art in general, sort of like the, the people behind that, like who are the engine of that happening, like the bureaucracy of it. And then we talked to Susan Campbell about grants. So we kind of talked about the funding side of it. And now we're talking to a group of artists who are kind of in, like they've dealt with Renato, they've dealt with getting grants it feels like the natural third act to what we've done so far. Yeah, it's really tying everything together, and it makes me feel good and confident about the way that we're moving forward and the themes that we're choosing. Did we plan it this way? Were you, no. Were you trying to do, like, a one, two, three? It actually naturally came out this way. We actually had two episodes that were supposed to... Wait, no. Yeah, two episodes that were supposed to happen in between... That just like naturally canceled and didn't work out. Naturally canceled. Yeah, canceled na- with the with the waves and the flows of nature, just like God <laughs> intended. God is in his heaven, and our podcast is three episodes deep, and we're so tired. we're God's little podcast soldiers. Um, and no, no. So yeah, those just didn't work out. It's fine. We're gonna re- get them rescheduled. Shit happens, but. It just naturally came out this way where, we're t- yeah, it, the, the order came out perfectly. It's like the Austin Powers movie trilogy. Okay, you've lost me. <laughs> I th- yeah, I really do think that um, these first three episodes are, are showing what we're, like, taken as a whole, really show the um, ethos, like the mission of what we're trying to do, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. 
Yeah. Um, we even also talked about, um, you know, doing seasons and attaching a theme to each season. Yeah, we focused a lot on, like, public art. So we're kind of wondering if maybe we should, like, silo that off into a season and really, like, continue into it for where we're at now. But then at that point, a- after we feel like we've kind of explored the subject, maybe moving on to, like, a new theme. Mm-hmm. Still within, like, local arts and culture, but maybe, like, a little bit more on the culture side as opposed mm-hmm. to the art side. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe even just like local events or local beer. That would be fun. I'm so tired of beer already. I know. I'm kidding. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, some ideas. We would love to hear what you think and what you've thought so far. I know our episodes have been, you know, this is the third one. They're all very different, different tones, different vibes, different beats, but they come together. They're like a little family. And we're hoping that in the future, you know, maybe we have more consistency as far as how the interviews turn out. But I'm really happy with how the progress we've made so far. Why are you shit-talking the interview? I'm not shit-talking the interview. That's not what I said. (laughs) I'm just saying we're like, you know. There's variance. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like, on the one hand, I, I do wish that, like, from an audio perspective, they were a little bit more consistent but i love how content wise this has turned out exactly yeah i know that's what i mean as far as like audio quality technically technically we will improve Mm -hmm. can only get better from here i mean some we've done in person some we've done virtually some is you know have been more people than others and zoom interviews are definitely more convenient but i there's never any nothing compares to doing an interview in the same room as people and we would have loved to do this one in person however uh, we were interviewing three different people and we just genuinely didn't have the technology to mic everybody up we're still getting set up with that Mm -hmm. that costs some money which we'll be asking for soon with your paychecks that come out at the same time this episode does yeah we should just set it up so that when you download the episode it just sends us your money that feels like that should have been worked out already I guess the whole thing about podcasts is that they're free. Never mind. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, back to what we, what this is for, which is <laughs> to talk about The Rack. Really great conversation. I really enjoy talking to these gentlemen, these artists, and getting to know them. They're all very, you know, distinct artists with their own disciplines that are very talented in their own rights, but they have a very fluid and smooth way of working together. Obviously, since 2015, it's been eight eight years. years. And I think that's really special. So I'm really glad we were able to capture their dynamic and be able to talk to them and have an open conversation about what their experience has been like creating murals in the city. And, and being professional artists, so... I We also got a chance to see their work that's at UMFA right now, which we get into a little bit in the discussion, but I, th- mm-hmm. I think we'll touch on that more after the interview. And if you are kind of lost with... We do talk about this this project that uh, Renato from the Salt Lake City Public Arts Program is working with the rack on if you're a little bit lost on that check out our first episode it's an interview with renato and he does go into that as well so it it does pair really nicely Mm -hmm. these two episodes Uh, what's a good pairing we can compare it to what do you mean like a real world yeah like a you know like uh it's like a wine and cheese pairing yeah but mm -hmm. i wanted more of a detailed one that well then you should have said more of a detailed. i know (laughs) 
<laughs> Why okay. don't, let's just get out of the way and let yeah. people enjoy this interview. Okay, enjoy the interview with the Rack. Roots Art Collective. Roots Art Collective. Enjoy the interview with the Roots Art Collective. Thank you for listening. Thank you. I would love for each of you to introduce yourself with your name and your role within Roots Arts Collective. My name is Luis Novoa. My specialty with the rack is the calligraphy portion and hand lettering. My name is Miguel Galaz, patterns and motifs. Alan Ochoa. My specialty or role within the rack is realism. How did you all come together to form the Roots Arts Collective? And what would you say Roots Arts Collective does? Yeah, I remember painting back in like 2015. We did a, a taqueria in West Jordan. That was Miguel's project. And he just tried to get us to paint the whole building, right? <laughs> um, like not leave any any place untouched with paint. And um, it was really cool because it was imagery of um, Cesar Chavez. Uh, Miguel, what's what's her name? Dolores Huerta. Dolores Huerta, sí, sí, sí. So there was just some powerful imagery there. Um, in West Jordan, it became a little bit controversial and I think caught some wind of, of the city. And so that became its own thing. And, and, and it's just very memorable for me part, like personally, because I think that's what made our bond become strong, which then later transferred into what are we doing? We all want to make murals. And we started the Roots Art Collective in 2019 of August. When you formed the Roots Art Collective, what was your intention behind it? Was it just to get together to paint or were you hoping to accomplish a mission of some sort? Uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking it was a little bit of both. We uh, behind it was also just kind of get together paint with some friends. But then also it started developing as in like what could we do, right, to represent our community? We we I feel like we from painting it like a it was a taqueria, right? It was like that identity of like our culture and how could we like share it, you know? After that, we sort of started painting and looking for those places where we could paint. But then it, it just went off to different projects to like painting at a museum, right? Which was crazy. One of the first murals that we painted together was, um, it was like a panaderia. I forgot the name of the panaderia. Uh, it's yeah. like an Aztec calendar and... Panaderia Mexico. Is, Panaderia is Mexico. Yeah, we painted that one first. And it was like, you know, that was like basically free. It like got the Panaderia some attention during the pandemic. Uh, I think that might have been the first time we saw each other uh, and like, or painted during the pandemic. Um, and it, I don't know, I guess the, at the roots of it, it was like just trying to paint in our neighborhoods. We didn't think anything about the money or or, or just like, painting in a museum um like that i don't think that was any of our uh, expectations um but yeah like miguel was saying it just kind of snowballed there you mentioned that there was some controversy with the mural you did at the taqueria do you want to expand on that it, it's, it's a maverick now by the way i don't know if you got <laughs> if you drive by there they took the building down it's funny because i see it still and it, it reminds me it, it was more about like the image because there was people that came by while we we're painting with like 
you know, people with like trucks and like their Confederate flags, just saying that like, we don't want these images here, which was like kind of a shock. Like it was, I wouldn't like, was, I don't know. I wouldn't have expected that. It was just a real bummer because I remember, I mean, Miguel would bring other like students and kids to come paint this wall. And I remember what they, what, what was said, it was like 13 or 15% of the site, like paint can only be signage which signage is the name, right, of, or promotion of ours, food, like, it was none of that, all of it was imagery of our culture, you know, and our, and what we've grown up to, to see around us, right, Miguel has a story, I think, where, where there was kids there, and somebody came, came by, and, and tried to, like, harass, but, I mean, it was that sense of just people just driving by, making sure that we, like, saw them you know i find that interesting because in our interview with Renato, we learned about that rule of the signage and but if your mural is not specifically like hey cafe rio over here then it's fine it should be okay and you're what you're describing is that it's like a lot of imagery and it's obviously a mural of cesar chavez those are really common. So it's really surprising that, you know, conflict with that. And it seems like they were using that rule as an excuse to go against it, even though it didn't really fully, like, the, it was not grounded in... It wasn't uh, actually violating yeah, anything. Yeah, it wasn't actually violating anything. It's really interesting how that played out. But I also feel like, in retrospect, it pushed us to start doing murals for the community, right? Like, I, I wanted to add to what Alan was saying. Is like, we didn't really... It was like the middle of the pandemic. We hadn't painted together in like months. And like, what can we do, right? These hard situations, I think, pushed us to, it's not about the money. And it's like, where can we paint? Oh, that we have a panaderia. Okay. And so we did that with the, with the Frida Kahlo and, and the Cholo Squinkle, right? It's funny how the mural that we haven't gotten paid for, or, you know, we did out of, because we wanted to paint in this, you know, certain businesses didn't get access to resources and, and this panaderia had it. So they had to close down. So in, in, in a way, it was just like, let's try and make this space inviting again, right? And this mural has like launched us into so many other projects. A lot of people say that that's like their favorite mural that, that we've done, you know? And so it, it's funny, right? Because we've, we've done bigger murals and gotten paid and then but this one just has like this really special significance i think to all of us that reminds us that like this is why we started these are the murals that that mean the most to us and we want to share that i'm curious are there any people that reached out to you like let's say one of these big box condos reached out to you and is like hey i want you to do a mural have you ever been reached out to anyone who you're like, I don't want to work with them. Like, I don't, you know, I don't feel like our message aligns with them. Has that, have you turned any commissions down? It is like one of those things, like I said earlier, right? Like we don't want to like dilute ourselves either. Like we definitely want to keep our values. And I think there is like the sense of like, oh, there's, there's these big walls going up and condos and apartments. And like, we want to be part of that. Right. They got money. It's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Right. I mean, these things, beautifying these walls also brings a lot of other things like gentrification and and the boost of of rent and but i also think it's it's part of the artist's role to whoever you're working with work with them where the community is going to be involved 
and it's not for the people moving in it's for the people that are are there you know and maybe this is a little tangent like we haven't had to turn any of these deals down we haven't been approached by some of these but yeah i think if we ever do we we have that responsibility to to keep these things authentic right yeah it's an interesting question i've been asked that before and i didn't know how to answer um i've been asked to like if if murals in these areas in these areas that gentrification is happening are they part of it in conjunction with it that type of growth and or is it a separate thing um and i just feel like it's a, that's a very complicated question because i think it, it really depends on who's asking for the mural what's the intention behind the mural there's so many layers to it it's not just simply yes or no <laughs> it's definitely like complicated and we have like talked about it or thought about it i would think that usually the gentrification or the murals that, that we're getting paid or other artists are getting paid for a lot of money to paint is after the gentrification has happened. But then let's say we, we do a bunch of murals in a low income neighborhood. Are we fucking over people by, sorry, I swore, uh, by doing this? Um, like even once we, like me and a few friends were painting a mural, uh, and like for one of my neighbors and the cops like came through and there's like just this whole, like drama where one of the guy's neighbors and the other guy's neighbors were arguing because one thought that uh, Yoda looked like a demon and the other one wanted to sell his house because it, and he thought it would go like the value of the house would go up or I don't know. It's just like a big mess, which I I'm hoping that it doesn't uh, add to gentrification because I, I feel like these neighborhoods also deserve art. Um, not just the neighborhoods that can afford it. I saw this post the other day. It was like, do graffiti, fuck shit up, but keeps rent low, you know? <laughs> and, you know, somebody that grew up doing graffiti and has that background, like, I do I do notice that is a real thing. Murals do add, whether we want it to or not, it does bring that little sprinkle of gentrification. And so that's why I say, like, even even if we do paint in these low-income communities, we, we need to keep that in uh, at the front of our heads you know at the front of our minds so that like i said these things continue to be genuine and authentic yeah yeah there's a difference between a mural with a message and simply a backdrop for people's instagram influencing <laughs> selfies and <Yeah>. i yeah <laughs> so y'all are doing murals with the message so no i no, think we you. have We're requested wings <laughs> someone has requested wings at some point i feel like when seeking inspiration, are you still kind of driving around your neighborhood and and seeing what locations could use murals that, you know, jive with with what you're trying to do? It's always I don't know. I feel like it, like any artist, like driving through anywhere, you're constantly like, oh, look, that could have a mural there, you know, um, as you're driving around. But then it's also like I think we would all personally love to like continue just to paint for the love of it, like wherever, but then uh, with bills, it, that's the annoying part that that's when like, you know, we think about the money and then we take jobs that are um, not as fun or not as like creatively, like that creative freedom. And so it's, it's kind of like a, trying to find that balance and uh, still looking for that balance in like a way to try to paint uh, on the West side or in neighborhoods that, you know, no one's going to pay for it, um, but figuring out a way to fund that. You know, Salt Lake, uh, like they've put out a few grants, like the Love Your Block grant that like just closed recently, like things like that, I feel like 
um, could help form that, even if it's just for the paint. Yeah. Another thing we're curious about is how you guys do come into funding for your projects. Like, what is that process like? And what, you know, is it bureaucratic? Is it, what's it like? We're just applying now to grants. There's a bunch of resources, like the the city, like the Utah Art uh, Museums, have a, they have a lot of resources out of state. There's a bunch of applications that we can do. There's also the knocking on doors, Alan was saying. We're, we're constantly driving, looking for walls to paint. You know, it's like, oh, that could be a nice wall. Or, and then just stopping by, hey, this is what we do. You like, would you like a mural? The thing is, is most, I mean, in our case, is the businesses that have that that big wall. You kind of have to go in there with the with the pitch like, hey, we'll do a free mural. And then they'll, you know, but it, it's a, sometimes a lot, a lot of times it's hard to sell the mural as a job, as a big job. But a lot of times these businesses don't really have a budget for a mural, right? Like they don't really, I mean, maybe it's not on their radar or or they legit just don't have those resources or those funds for that. So, you know, that's where we go and and we paint and it feels really good, right? Because it's it's coming from the heart. But then to pay our bills, we the the businesses or places that do have those budgets, it's competitive, right? It's it's who can get there first, or or you have to apply to these grants or um, requests for qualifications or RFPs, uh, requests for proposal. I feel like these need to be yes, requests for proposal. Just you know, so if people don't know, like these RFQs, RFPs, that's what they stand for, right? Um, so yeah, we're constantly looking for those because those are the big budget jobs. But those are, you know, it's like, oh, we need $2,000 to pay bills. But if we do get that job, that $2,000 isn't coming for another four months, right? So, you know, it's like, it's always trying to find like, how can we paint now? How can we be fulfilled? But also how can we make money? And then how can we not dilute our work? And those applications, I feel like we have submitted like a ton of them. Um, I don't know, either Luis or Miguel mentioned that it is super competitive. I mean, Luis is probably the best writer, uh, but it's trying to figure out like, how do we get an edge, you know? Because for the most part, a lot of our jobs have either it's from someone one of us knows or know that we do this or uh, someone reaching out and like hearing that, that we've been like that we do this. Um, And it's still trying to figure out like, how do we become more competitive in like the like grant applications, you know, because sometimes it seems like it's just a numbers game, but it does take a ton of work to write the proposals or whatever. Like you're, you're, you're not just creating art. You're writing applications, proposals, coming up with budgets, uh, paying for insurances and things that you don't really think about when you're just like, Oh, I just want to paint on a wall. Right. (laughs) And so you, you start to learn that like, Oh, we, we have to learn these things, you know, and how to, how do you do your taxes? And, you know, Painting is the fun part. <laughs> the easy what, part. The best yeah. part. <laughs> yeah. And the shortest. Like, yeah, like Louis said, I feel like a portion of the time is spent actually just painting. This is all very good information for us because we're going to be coming off the heels of an episode dedicated to talking about public grants, art grants, performances grants. 
what advice would you give yourself if you were um, able to, you know, go back in time and kind of shepherd yourself through the initial process of applying to grants? Don't don't get discouraged when you get turned down. You just got to keep applying. I feel like that's the key. And, and it's like hard, hard even for us still to this day. It's crazy the amount of applications that are in resources that you get. Like you see, we also use the cafe. That's a big site too. You get so attached or connected to a project that you're like, oh, we're going to get this one. And then all of a sudden you don't hear back. And then it's like, no, we got to keep going. And there's more. And they keep coming up all year round, you know? So that advice is for us and for everybody. <laughs> Just keep going. I think when we're when we're all starting off, right? Like we don't really even know where to look. I think maybe I would tell myself like, all right, just start looking up who paints around here. Maybe you can just reach out and like, hey, like how do I, how do I do this, right? You know, there's a lot of gatekeeping, but that's why I love that you guys are doing this, that we get to talk about these things because I feel like people should know. I would just tell myself to like, don't be afraid. That usually comes from you don't really know where to start. So then you get like in in analysis paralysis and then you start looking at everybody else making work and then you're like, oh, I'm not doing anything, you know? So I would really just tell myself to like one step at a time, you know, and this, you know, if, if you want to get from A to Z, you know, you have to do B, C, D, E, F, G. Like you can jump from A to G, but sometimes like you won't have the skills or like the, the experience from B, C, D, E, you know, patience, you're young, things will come. It's a roller coaster. It, it really is. And, and it's a fun one to ride. <laughs> I heard earlier when uh, Miguel had said painting is the fun part. I'd like to know a little bit more if you can describe what it's like to be painting together because I heard that each of you have a different role within it. You know, one of them does script, I think calligraphy calligraphy. (laughs) and um, someone else does like the realistic imagery, et cetera. You can quickly run through what it's like to paint together because I feel like that's really hard. And especially as painters and artists, it's really hard to share a project with one person. I can't imagine two other people. I think it's super fun. Um, like I, I hear other muralists talk, oh yeah, it could be super lonely to paint like a mural, you know? Um, yeah, assuming other artists are just there painting for 40 hours to get something done on their own and like some podcasts. But like with us, like Miguel usually has a speaker and like some music and beverages sometimes. But I, I think it's really fun. And usually we do work together on like setting up, you know, laying everything out where everything's going to go. And then we each kind of zone out on our part like once that's done but i also think there's besides the fact you know you become good friends and it's like almost like you like a little party or like a hangout i feel like the problem solving is also really important you know i feel like as artists there's always doubts like hey what how does this look or what do we do or how do you do this like figuring things out you know as a team it's just better yeah i'd like to add that like you know it's funny because everybody sees a problem differently when we've all learned to just trust each other and so that's when we all we get to a certain point and then everybody just goes to their thing and there's trust there because he's 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 the one he's the one that does that and i can make sure that that's going to get done every wall is different right so then every wall has its specific special problems and so then we step back and we're like okay well we're at this point in the mural how do we reach the complete form right sometimes there's like a very 
specific process sometimes there's just a mess to the whole madness thing where like we don't really know how we're approaching it but we all like it goes back to that trusting I feel I would imagine it's kind of like cooking with your family like you're just each of you one of them does the salad one of them does the helps with the meal and some one of them sets the table it's like this really bonding warm community-based project and I'm really jealous that you get to do that with each other. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll find my group of people to do art with, but um, it's really cool to see y'all doing that and successfully and for such good reasons too, you know, trying to help amplify the communities that you can are connected to with your backgrounds and your culture and everything. Uh, I love the idea of painting a panaderia. That's so cool. So with that, does the imagery within your murals, do they have a through line and if so, are you trying to communicate anything specific? Looking back, there's a, I feel like there is a connection, but I also feel like they're really different from each other. Like, like every project's different. The way to send out messages might be the same, or they start, you start to like develop a certain language, right? I think when we first started, we all, <clears throat> we all were like on board, like there needs to be like this certain style, right? That like you, you drive by and you see that mural and like, oh, the rack did that you know in that sense like through like visually i think there is connectedness throughout the murals that we've done you know it's connected to music all the time like all the murals are connected to music the words that i write um the vibe of of the process and so i think that's another theme through line but they all have their stories right and so we're always just like what's the next song that we want to share thinking about it like a like an album right and like but i do think it's more of like stories we just want to tell stories i feel like in a lot of them there is like symmetry like the layout that Melville does like with the geometric shapes and and then you know louise with the calligraphy and and me with the realism like i feel like those three paired like is kind of consistent in like at least our more most recent work how would you describe what your path looked like, what the path towards doing the mural at UMFA looked like. What was your experience before that? How did you get that opportunity? And if you're, you know, talking to someone who's an aspiring muralist and who dreams to have a mural up in UMFA or Umoka or anywhere, how would you advise them to get to that point? Not, not to sound cheesy, but I think what kind of got us there was like just doing it out of the love. There's a bunch of Hispanics in, you know, Kearns or West Valley or, or wherever we're painting. And there wasn't a, a lot of like representation as far as like, you know, artwork goes or even any public artwork. And that was kind of like a big, big intention. Or And I feel like that mural, the Frida Kahlo, helped us get uh, the Park City one, which also had a message like of like connection and, and, you know, just humanity. And like that also, like, I feel like got us connected for the UMFA job. A similar, I guess, uh, pattern between them is just doing things just for the love, like not for the money and um, trying to put messages out there. An art piece with a message, is, a lot of the time is a lot more impactful or can it can hold a lot more power, I guess. I was going to say something, but I mean, Alan literally just, yeah, hit hit all the points. I think it's just the message. The messages that you put out and want to say, like really reinforce what's going on in, in our society. And I think 
I guess just going off of what Alan said, during that time, we're going through like the middle of the pandemic. I think public art was definitely needed and like wanted to be seen and these stories needed to be told. And so, you know, I always say, I feel like we're, we're telling the present histories, right? The present stories that, that we're going to look back on and be like, oh, like that was crazy. How did that even happen? And you go back and look at the art and the music. And it tells you everything, you know? And so I feel like we're just adding that legacy, right, of, of storytellers. I think that's what a museum does, right? I think at the end of the day, it's it's trying to share these stories. And You talked about making murals being very similar to, like, writing songs or dropping albums or things like that. And you're comparing the two because it's storytelling. It's pieces of art that communicate something. What are your favorite stories that you've told through your murals? The, the UMFA one was, in my opinion, was super powerful. I mean, it, it just, the pandemic, you know, the whole idea was to take that silver lining of, of like what positive can we, what makes us move forward, you know. For the purpose of our listeners who probably haven't seen that mural, how would you describe it? It's two hands holding the globe, the earth, when after going through the pandemic, a global pandemic, right? So the idea of healing to like a mandala you know of, of energy and the the color tones we we get all we get all deep into it but there's like the roses too that represent the people that pass the lettering on the sides encapsulated a little bit of what's coming from the middle so the middle you find the earth with the hands either holding or like receiving or in a sense kind of giving and um you know, finding that strength in through through love, right? And right, right in between the letters, letters you find two circles with white roses. That it's life and death and the fragility and re- renovation, uh, rejuvenation and um, like rebirth. That that one is definitely a special one for me as well. Uh, the one that really got to me or is like really personal to me is the, the South Salt Lake mural um, on Mister Muffler's on Twenty One Hundred South in West Temple. We collected like three three word phrases that from from our Instagram followers, the community, three words that helped you get through the pandemic. I was able to write those in the background of that mural. So like people can kind of drive by and see their own little input of these things. So for me, that's really special because somebody sent us those words and like for them to see that it's part of them, you know, like they helped us paint it. <laughs> so To add on to that, I thought that, South Salt Lake one, the Sanación na Madre Tierra. That one was really cool too, for that same reason that Luis was saying. Uh, I even have an aunt from Washington that commented on there. And her, along with like other people that I knew, like they felt super involved. Because it's like when we requested those, like uh, their words of wisdom, and they kind of got to follow along no matter like how far they were and kind of see the process and almost like hold a little bit more value to it in a way. But yeah, that one was really cool. And the UMFA, those two are my favorite. Um, I think the layering behind the storytelling that Luis was saying, you know, to, to add meaning to tell the story and and also i guess there's also technical stuff too right like that was one of our biggest scaffolding and the scissor lift and things that we weren't used to you know or or not painting with spray paint they wouldn't let us use spray paint now i'm I, all i try to use is house paint because because <laughs> the color tones you know so there's just all these things 
Are most of your murals spray painted, the outdoor ones? Most of them are. I mean, it's a mix of whatever we have around. Honestly, house paint, bucket paint, spray paint. But yeah, they're they're mostly uh, with spray paint. I prefer bucket paint or just, yeah, house paint, acrylic paint. These guys are amazing and they know how to control spray paint, but that's a whole other level of skill. Uh, What can you tell us about your collaboration with the Salt Lake City Public Arts Program, specifically the Pickleball Court project that you're going to be part of? Yeah, that's really exciting for us because... you know, it's close to home. None of us really like, I mean, Alan grew up in, in Poplar Grove a little bit, uh, but we all grew up around there or at least on the West side. And so to know that like we can be working, collaborating uh, within the communities that we, we grew up with is, is special. And working with Renato, um, I've been wanting to, to work with that guy for, for a good minutes. So that's awesome. But um, yeah, some really cool things are going to, becoming um we're going to be trying to i mean so a few things y'all can know about the project that we will be having like a, a cool little celebration for it just look out for that to 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 get the community involved that's in the works i do want to like give people something to to look forward to other than the mural right i didn't grow up with pickleball i see that as like a white people sport so <laughs> i'm just curious if y'all have like any connection to that sport or if you're trying to connect or if you're going to try to communicate a message uh through this opportunity and what that is who you're who are you trying to speak to I kind of thought the same thing because it's like I used to always walk through that park growing up but I'm like not even tennis especially tennis like my mom wouldn't buy me no tennis racket. We kind of like were thinking of uh, in the budget incorporating like either giveaways or something for like the pickleball rackets just so, you know, kids that come by during the event can like actually have the equipment to play with it. And as far as like it it being a pickleball and tennis ball court, we kind of didn't have a say uh, in like choosing what it was going to be. It was just like they're remodeling it. They wanted to put like, some artwork on it it's going to be a fun project either way there is still storytelling it's just more symbols where looking at the the type of paint that we have to use is different the scale is different and so like painting on the ground is different and so to to make a very intricate detailed piece was going to be very difficult so we simplified a lot of things um you know there's like symbols of the jordan river and the poplar leaves and and community and and movement and, and energy, right? So there's still those symbols that are, are still gonna come through. What is the timeline looking like? When are you gonna start working on it? And when is this celebration that you're mentioning going to happen? I think it was August, September when we'll start yeah, painting think, on the celebration. Um, so uh, I mean this you know, city has to move with through permits and I'm sure Renato kind of mentioned some of these things and um, sometimes these processes just move slower than we'd like. And of course the weather's not, I mean, they, they still have to remodel the courts. Right. And so, um, that'll be happening. I think late March construction starts on, on the, on the floor. And then we can probably start painting, um, mid August. If, if all goes well, mid August celebration event around, around that time, just maybe September, mid September, be on the lookout. We'll let you know. And for people who want to stay connected with you, support you and follow your journey, where can they find you? Instagram might be the best way or at the rack 
www.rubric.murals. And also we have a website. That's another way or email. Website is Roots Art oh, Collective <laughs> with a K. <laughs> Uh, same with the email, rootsartcollective with the K at gmail.com. The email might be the best way to like, get quick response. And you can catch us in the new slug um, for their local leaders um, issue, which it's an, it's an awesome honor for us to, to be a part of that. There's some galleries coming up, gallery stroll at the Urban Arts Gallery. Um, got some art there. That'll be the 17th. But yeah, follow us on Instagram to just kind of stay in the loop of, of what's going on. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? If you guys know of any walls that we could go paint. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for meeting with us and talking to us. I'm so thankful for you guys taking the time. I feel like I've learned so much and it's really interesting to pick your brains about this particular mode of art. I'm, I'm, I'm super impressed by it all. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. Appreciate we appreciate the, uh, well, honestly, like I appreciate what y'all are doing and I'm excited to see um, the podcast grow and, and flourish. Um, thank you for doing that. We, we need that or more of that. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Bye. I love so. <laughs> so hi <laughs> so that was our conversation <laughs> with the roots art collective i loved talking to them i love talking to them too i think the thing that stood out to us the most was them talking about gentrification like that was a moment in the conversation where it felt like we weren't just learning about what they do, but we were also hearing them kind of grapple with that problem, which I can understand. Like, it, I don't think there's really a clear answer there. No, definitely. And, and that's kind of what we unpacking is that there, there is no answer to what the fuck is going on in our city right now, which is huge wave of price increases of rent, uh, condos coming up people from California moving in, people being pushed out of their neighborhoods and the communities, just the good old uh, top four signs of gentrification. <laughs> I don't know, five, I don't know how many I said. But I really liked that they opened up about it in a way that was realistic. You know, they're like, hey, you know, we are a group of artists that are looking to find funding to help our communities and to be able to give murals to people who can't afford them. And how can we do that without having income? And are we going to get that income through these big condos by doing murals for these big condos? Like, how can they fit in what they're doing and with what's, ha with what's happening and have an outcome that benefits the communities that are being affected by gentrification. I think it's really complicated. It's a really yeah. hard game to play, I guess. Yeah, I think it's unfair to lay it at the feet of them. I don't think it's... <laughs> gentrification is not their fault. No. <clears throat> but I'm glad that we brought it up because I think it's worth talking about. Um, and uh, I think, like you just said, they're trying to find that balance between, like, how can we get in on what's happening without contributing to the problem 
And that just seems really tough. They're not necessarily, you know, like hitting up condos either and being like, hey, can we do murals? For right. I think I think there are pretty clearly some things not to do <laughs> and, yeah. and they're not doing those things. But um, I think part of the reason why that question feel, felt important is that it's such a glaring problem that's occurring. And art really is one of the ways that like that beautifying process accompanies the rent increase. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think we have any more answers, but I'm really glad that we got to talk about it a little bit. I think it's really interesting that murals, especially murals in this vein, you know, that that tell stories of Latinx community are considered beautification, are considered part of what, you know, comes Mm. with gentrification. Because when I -hmm. grew up in Southern California and murals were very much a huge part of the neighborhood that I grew up in in Popona and it was definitely not that (laughs) um and it was interesting because when I moved to Utah I was like where are all the murals where's all the art where's for example like the the Cesar Chavez murals and and Mm -hmm. even like so you're saying like that stuff was considered uh emblematic of of the community but of but not of gentrification of like disrepair it was like was it treated as graffiti? Not necessarily. I don't really know. I mean, I was really young. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So I don't know necessarily. Like the but to, logistics but to you, it. what did it signal? It signaled uh, the voice of the community, of the culture, of of very heavily populated Latinx yeah neighborhoods. And now it's a symbol of this neighborhood has money, which is interesting to me because it. You know, for me, it's like, oh, this mural reminds me of home, which is definitely not, wasn't that. Yeah. So. It's interesting to think of it in context with our conversation with Renato, because I think along with the bureaucracy that makes it kind of more possible, like these guys are able to make, um, I guess, a living or are able to at least do the arts. They're able to do the art and get paid for it. Um, that comes at a cost of someone paying for it and someone has to feel like it's worth paying for. So it just like introduces this economy to, I guess this is really the central tension that we've been getting at lately is it introduces this economy to people just wanting to express and make art and to make a place beautiful and to communicate with others and to show in the, in the case of these guys serve as like a reminder of a place and time almost as like a time capsule of the people that are working in this moment. Yeah, and I even heard them say, you know, I think the way that they talk about it, the way that they are approaching it is similar to the murals that I grew up seeing. They're very much saying, hey, we want to talk about our culture, our community, within our community. And I think that's what I was seeing growing up. So I'm very frustrated at the, the perspective that's, Essentially, gentrification is is reclaiming those special things as their own and as its own. And that's really frustrating to me because it's it. I think it's born out of community and culture expression and a way to tell stories. Murals are? Yeah. Mm. And, and so I think when the conversation is being had about it, being part of gentrification or, or a side effect of it, 
that's really frustrating because I really think gentrification is literally doing what gentrification does and it's reclaiming these things as its own um, yeah as redevelopment which is just I think that's not true I think that's that's fiction <laughs> that murals aren't doing that um, or that mural it's fiction that murals are doing that that's yeah that murals are doing that yeah um I think it's interesting. I had a point. Um, I think clearly we should do an episode on gentrification. Or, honestly, that could be a whole theme for a season. There's a lot there. Because, and this is just me talking out of my ass, I think gentrification is like a... I, it's definitely people trying to make money, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it's acceptance by people. It's like acknowledgments and acceptance in communities uh, and the fact that people let it happen is because people do want to have a sense of community and so when like a new coffee shop crops up in your neighborhood or a nice building comes in it's like oh okay we're getting back to this sense of like I think it instills in people a sense of getting back to something like oh we're creating a community or we're um sort of like fixing a problem and something I thought in listening back and talking to them is that like you know there is no problem the, I mean the problem is probably that communities you know need more funds you know people people need more money to live that's true but the murals the work that they're trying to do is like trying to be representative of the communities that are already there and exactly. that those don't need fixing exactly they might need money but they that uh, yeah, and that's, again, that's why it frustrates me to hear that, you know, again, these murals and that public art in this way is a side effects, effect of gentrification. No, it's always been there. Artwork and expression of a community and culture has always been there. It's just being, it's just another thing being taken away. Yeah, it's thorny. It's like all interconnected. And I don't feel like I know enough to speak on it. <laughs> so I would like to do an episode or something where yeah. we can get somebody who could speak to it more intelligently because I just have hearsay and thoughts and mm-hmm. whatever yeah me too and I just have my own experience so and I'm, I'm trying to draw conclusions from that which is irresponsible the, the, <laughs> how dare you um, <laughs> the whole thing wasn't about gentrification though no obviously. not at all no. Um, we got to see the mural that they did for the UMFA Utah Museum of Fine Arts um, just yesterday, actually, mm-hmm. and it's, it's gorgeous. So big. I thought it was funny when we walked in, and you were like, "It's bigger than I thought it was." You even just said it now. Yeah. Why did you think it would? What size did you think it would be? I'm it's a mural. Very small person, you... I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's it's just so big. Let's <laughs> just say it was. Yeah. It's grand. It's a grand mural. Yeah. Um, it's very. I, I was struck by the calligraphy in particular because you kind of have to look at it for a minute before you notice mm-hmm. what it's saying and, and like that it's actually saying something that it, you know that it is calligraphy and that it's not just you know cool looking symbols. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see it after we had the interview and after we talked to them about what it meant and the symbolism with all of the features of the of the mural and who did what part, yeah. etc. And the yeah, you could, like, look at it and be like, okay, so that's what Luis did, and that's what Alan did. Yeah, and so it was nice to see it after that, to be able to put the pieces together. Yeah, I think it's a good encapsulation of 
like if you want to really understand what they're all contributing, I think you can look at that mural and get a pretty clear sign of like, all right, this is like the realism part of it. This is like how it's balanced. This is the calligraphy part of it. I feel like you can identify all the all the pieces. And they did also, again, touched on grants and how that affects them. And tying it together with our conversation with Subazan Campbell, they mentioned a few grants that they have applied to and they really kind of echoed what Susan had said of, you know, just keep doing it, keep applying. It's don't you know get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. It's worth it. You know, you might get attached to an idea or a project that you're applying for that you feel is a really good fit and not get it. But you gotta keep doing it. And it's good to hear that from artists themselves as opposed to just you know, the folks that are distributing the funds that are in charge of the grants. Right. Like the fact that they echoed it with a, mm-hmm. like it, I think it like verifies that. Yeah. And it's, it makes me believe in the system more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not that I didn't, but it's just like, cool. I'm glad that yeah. at the other end, I don't know. I think it's feeling the same way. I think it is easy to get cynical about it and f- feel like it's broken. But I feel like after having spent some time with the people who, who are working on grants and have received grants, it seems like a good system. It seems like it's working. I don't know. It did It did leave me feeling um, less cynical. Mm-hmm. I do still want to dig more further and talk to more people who have received yeah. grants, uh, specifically from the Salt Lake City arts program yeah we have a sample size of one group so yeah, we should so. talk to more <laughs> but you know i think i'm i'm helpful i believe i i think that's everything yeah i really hope you enjoyed this episode and our next episode will come out not next week but the week after two weeks two weeks we'll miss you but bi-weekly bianca bi-weekly bianca part-time parker <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Thanks for listening. Uh, Don't forget to check out our website, our Instagram, our Twitter. Shoot. I should get on that. Yeah, you should. But they're all Locomotive Podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Locomotivepodcast.com. Locomotive. At Locomotive Podcast. Yeah. And then Locomotive on Twitter. And I think we're on YouTube. As you know, thank you. We're grateful. Yeah, uh-huh. and follow us um, if you're listening to us don't forget to hit the subscribe button because that's important because I check it every single day so sounds healthy alright we hope you have a great rest of your Friday locomotive out <laughs> uh-huh.